0: um so I'll just give you a basic premise of what the podcast is about and then development introduce yeah self-development exactly um so I remember Trev I remember (laughs) so uh because I I went through a lot of depression in my life until I found TM and so I wanted to create a podcast that brings ideas and inspiration to people that are going through some of those challenges and and showing them other ways besides just maybe SSRIs to kind of work through that stuff
1: well i mean the the things that increase serotonin which is certain types of foods sunlight enough sleep transcendence all these things that are very essential for bringing balance to the system and with balance comes reduced cortisol and increased serotonin
0: absolutely um so i guess we'll just go ahead and get started whatever you want whatever you Okay. Yeah. Or I might even just include that little bit. I mean, I won't include the very beginning, but um, so welcome to Master of Zilch podcast. I'm your host, Trev Montavon. Today, I have the honor of having jo- Bob Roth join us for the podcast. I met Bob three or four years ago when I was getting my MBA at Maharishi International University in Fairfield, Iowa. Bob was there. He had just released his book, uh, Strength and Stillness which is um, regarding Transcendental Meditation, which is kind of the primary reason that he's here today. He, uh, it was an honor to meet him, and uh, we spoke multiple times after that, and I texted him and asked him if he would come on the podcast, and it it was such a quick response. It was was awesome. Um, Bob has taught many celebrities in Hollywood, in the Hollywood realm, um, and he has just been a prolific individual in the Transcendental Meditation Movement and helping people um, find that meditation and use it for their own personal development and uh, just to improve their lives. And so um, he's also the, i just, I'm drawing a blank on your position with the David Lynch Foundation. CEO of the David Lynch Foundation. CEO, yeah. So without further ado, I'm going to let Bob introduce himself, and then Bob, if you could tell us a little bit also um, about your journey, how you found Transcendental Meditation, and, um, you know, kind of a little bit about your life leading up to that, and then how it's kind of changed the course of your life.
1: Thank you. I thought you did a really nice uh, introduction, although my claim to fame is not teaching celebrities. My claim to fame is teaching um veterans and inner city school kids and women survivors of domestic violence and doctors and nurses on the front lines of some of the most high crime area neighborhood hospitals that's Absolutely. the purpose of the david lynch foundation and i got interested in tm i was sort of like an unlikely person to be a quote-unquote meditation teacher or even to meditate my interest growing up was other than sports was a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, politics. I had worked for uh, Senator Bobby Kennedy Sr. <clears throat> when he was running for president and I had worked for him in California. He was running for the Democratic nomination. And uh, when I saw him speak in San Francisco about on June 1st, 1968, I mean, I was really inspired. Just, you know, those were the days politics was going to be the way to change, change the world, the whole oh, thing. Yeah. And um, I was so inspired, not because by the political parties, I I didn't care about that, but I just thought, wow, there's a way forward. And then four days later, he was assassinated, and that was devastating to me. So I went to the University of California. I was going to be a student entering my freshman year at the University of California at Berkeley in 19, October 1968, which was a wild time to be a, at Berkeley, and uh, right in the thick of it. And I uh, didn't go there as a druggie or a hippie or, you know, an extreme, po- I went there to change the world, sort of idealistically. And it took me about one month, Trevor, to realize Trev, to realize that um, politics, for me, was never going to heal the soul of the nation, just wasn't going to do it. And so I decided, okay, my mom was a school teacher. How about if I get involved in education, particularly educational curriculum, and I'll write educational curriculum to help kids in under-resourced schools, and high-crime area schools, particularly in San Francisco and Oakland and those areas, um, manage or navigate a very stressful, unfair world. So I was going to school full-time. I was working full-time. I'm getting to meditation here. Not sure. Yeah. I going to school full-time, working full-time. There were uh, police and, and tanks parked outside my door because of the Vietnam War riots. And it was a very stressful time, traumatizing uh-huh. for me. And I didn't really want to join a cult or sect. I, you know, I'm just this down-to-earth kind of guy. I've been described as a meat and potatoes vegetarian. (laughs) And and there was a guy I knew who I was working with um, on the side, working on the side, who was doing something called transcendental meditation. I'd never heard of it. And it didn't really even resonate with me. It wasn't my, I didn't. I wasn't looking for that, but there was mm-hmm. something about him that was so exceptional and extraordinary. He was real. He was down to earth. He was kind. He was smart. He wasn't caught up in all the noise. You know, he, he was just, he was good. And he, uh, I told him that I didn't believe in that kind of stuff. And he said, well, with transcendental meditation, you don't have to believe in anything for it to work. And I, he held up a a pen. He had a pen and he in one hand and he dropped it into the other hand. And he said you don't have to believe in gravity for the pen to fall and you don't have to believe in transcendental meditation for it to work so i decided to start it i decided within myself it's taught for about an hour a day over four consecutive days and i i said well if i don't like it i'll walk out of the room after 10 seconds you know i just and my first meditation was very relaxing and i was a tightly wound know-it-all you know 18 year old kid me too. Just physically relaxing like undeniably so mm-hmm. and i kept doing it and i really loved it but after about the second or third day one of the thir- first thoughts that i had was oh maybe this is a tool i can bring to those kids in those tough neighborhoods and that was june 20 june 28th 1969 so now i run wow. a foundation that is in 35 countries. And uh, we brought the meditation to a million kids in, in, as I said, in these tough areas. So that's my story.
0: So amazing. It's funny that you mentioned the politics because I actually went to law school in Boston. Uh, and that was my goal, was to help change the world via politics. And actually my like idol, like going into that, my motivation was JFK. <laughs> yeah i thought i was gonna get in you know work my way into the system and make it better i i actually was a page for the house of representatives when i was a junior in college uh like uh, in dc yeah and i kind of like opened my eyes and i learned some things that i thought might be better changed and yeah I, i totally agree with you that's not that's not how it's going to happen but for me politics is important people you know
1: politics they need to have their say but for me uh, you know right now for example i'm spending a lot of time with congress in congress at capitol hill working with members of this house and the senate and working with medicare and working with insurance companies because we're working to have uh, tm incorporated into the healthcare system covered by uh all these different private and public health care carriers because the enormous amount of research shows that transcendental meditation is as effective if not far more effective than conventional medical interventions like drugs medicines and surgical procedures and even talk therapy so uh, i think i'm feeling like right now you can make all the political change you want but if you don't address the buildup of stress and trauma right now you, know, you can say, okay, I want to make changes so children are not traumatized and I want to improve housing so or help so kids aren't traumatized or better. But right now, the degree of stress in, in America and around the world I mean, the number two cause of death among teenagers is suicide. Suicide. Insane.
0: Insane. So, uh, yeah, I, that's I mean, that was the motivation for starting this podcast was like, what can I do to help? besides, you know, like just working on myself, which obviously, you know, that's priority number one. But, um, and I just thought, you know, helping other people help themselves, you know, just giving ideas. So how, uh, I'm curious, as far as like navigating that in, in DC, I mean, it's it's not a secret that health is not really necessarily profitable for for you know i mean so like what kind of opposition are you coming except up is changing,
1: with changing except is changing because <clears throat> um he- healthcare costs are bankrupting businesses schools families you know households oh, yeah. bankrupting them yeah. and there is this incredible for and the uh it- problem with mental health issue concerns mental health disorders yeah. the, the insurance companies have not a clue so they're losing money in their inability to provide evidence based cost effective um, interventions they're 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 going to they're losing money mm-hmm. and so and the thing about mental health disorders or behavioral disorders is there's there, not only is there no there, people don't understand doctors don't understand the pathology of anxiety or depression mm-hmm. Bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, or you know, I mean, basic stuff like burnout. They don't, they don't understand the path out. What's the cause? If right. I if I cut my arm and it gets infected, we understand the cause of that infection. The path out. Oh, you 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 have an you need an antibiotic. Mm-hmm. Well, if a person is depressed, they don't really know, so they're just throwing stuff at it. SSRI's, just throwing stuff at it, and it helps. Twenty or thirty percent of the people, it doesn't help. Thirty percent of the people, and it's dangerous, destructive for thirty plus percent of the people. And when they're talking about talk therapy as a as a um, or or ther- just therapists in general, there's they say there's a ten year shortage of training of really good therapists. So what are we going to do today? Yeah. What are we going to do now? what's the solution at this minute? And so you look at things like evidence-based meditation, which is cost-effective. It's it's a non-pharmacological, non-invasive intervention. Anyone can do it. It's universal, particularly with Transcendental Meditation. It's Mm -hmm. universal. And there's an enormous amount of data to show that it works. And so what the David Lynch Foundation is doing now is doing the large-scale studies like pharmaceutical companies have to do called phase three clinical trials. You're in six hospitals or 10 hospitals and you're doing hundreds and hundreds of patients, and it's a randomized control trial. And if TM is shown to be as effective of more effective than a, a medicine, they got to go for it. So this is it's market-driven, interestingly, it's market-driven.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is very interesting. Uh I'm 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 not aware of this until you're telling me it right now, and that's so encouraging I had uh well actually um I, I met a girl recently and her dad has I believe it's Crohn's disease that's what I was diagnosed with and that's kind of what led me to, not kind of that's what led me to TM because I had surgery they had to take off part of my intestine my ileum and so I had to have a bag for 60 days and after that I said I'm, something's got to change here I don't know what it's what it's going to be. So um, I changed my diet, I uh, did several different things, but I I knew that there was something missing. And so I remember um, I had an Uber driver that, or no, I I was the Uber driver living in Chicago and I gave this girl a ride and she was a life coach. And so I asked her to just tell me a little bit about what she did as a life coach and her central focus was TM, everything was based around TM. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, Transcendental. And I just like you, I mean, I grew up on a farm, I was just like, I don't know about that. Exactly. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Transcend what, like, what are we transcending here. And so then I uh, fast forward to when I had that was a few years before and then fast forward to when I had that that surgery. I was actually back home on the farm, helping out on the farm and I saw, I kept seeing ads that you were part of them on Facebook um, for T.M., and finally, I was just like, I got to try it. So uh, my teacher was like unbelievable. She, her name is Caroline, or Carolyn Kent. She's part of the Mother Divine program. Just like literally pure love. She is like literally pure love. And she uh, she taught me and just opened my eyes, told me about um, the cities program. Um, so I became a city, as soon as she told me that, during the fir- those first four days of learning, I knew I was going to become a Siddha, and we can, we can talk about that, but um, but r- the real reason I'm sh- sharing this is because I learned in November of 2016, I'll never forget, it was right after the Cubs won the World Series. Yeah, I was a big Cubs fan, so.
1: Yeah, that, um, a, that, that was a, a major shift in the collective consciousness of the world <laughs> yes. for, since the creation of, of, of uh, Earth. Basically. <laughs>
0: yeah. Not even baseball. Earth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so then I I learned in, in November, like right around Thanksgiving of 2016, and then I had been getting remicade infusions. Remicade is an immunomodulator, and so they basically told my doctor told me he said, "There, these these are your options. You either don't do the medication, and you're going to die of Crohn's disease, or you do the medication, and you'll probably die in your 60s of some type of lymphoma." I was like, "That's that's a pretty." awful a couple of choices there diagnosis <laughs> so, yeah so I I learned TM and then by I was scheduled I learned TM in November I got my last Remicade infusion in like January and I told him I'm not doing it again like I'm not doing another infusion if I need it I'll come back to you and he was like freaking out like you can't do that like you're you don't understand what's going to do and so this has been my experience, and I'd like to hear what you think about it. but I, I think a lot of these autoimmune disorders, they stem from stress. They stem oh, yeah. from oh yeah, and so so we're looking for these magic pills that are going to fix it. But if you calm the nervous system repeatedly, day after day, twice a day, 20 minutes, every day, and it's just this natural process, that's that's how you heal autoimmune disorders. Well you know the yeah, hundred percent. The interesting
1: thing, I was talking to this uh, cardiologist and he said, so if you have high blood pressure, you take medication for high blood pressure and it reduces or controls high blood pressure. Does nothing with to stress, but it controls, it reduces the high blood pressure. If you have depression, it can reduce the symptoms. Does nothing to address the cause of stress. Same with autoimmune disorders, same with anxiety, same with insomnia. All these like almost stretches out to the horizon of of stress-related disorders. And transcendental meditation gives the body a state of rest deeper than the deepest part of deep sleep. And for those of you listening, I want to say it's not magical. It's not magical. It's accessing a mechanism that every human being has to take profound rest at will. We've just lost access to that. So the body takes this profound rest at will in that deep state of rest, buildup of stress and tension is dissolved, trauma is healed, and then that reduces inflammation, that reduces all these different things that that are cause of stress-related disorders. So what you're talking about there is absolutely, it's if A, then B. If you do a technique that can dramatically reduce stress, you're going to see a reduction in symptoms of Crohn disease, not just, and then a healing of Crohn disease, not just yeah. first reducing symptoms
0: and then a healing healing. Yep. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. I mean, there's so many people that I've met that I've talked to and they're like, how does that work? And I'm like, I can't totally explain to you. I mean, I give a brief explanation, not as good as you just gave, but, and, but I said, it just works. Like, do you, do we need to have. I mean, I guess we, it's, it's in our nature to have to understand everything, but sometimes if it just works, can't you just do it,
1: you know? Well, the interesting thing is, is that the, um, there's two aspects to sort of removing doubts. One is the experience of it. So okay. you have experience, but then the intellect. So that's the heart. The, you have the experience. The heart is, oh, yeah, it feels it, it's, it's relaxing. It, it yeah. works. But then the intellect kicks in and says, what's going on? how's that happening how's that working Mm -hmm. so the mechanism of how meditating reduces stress that is now we understand more of that i mean i remember when i was a kid the notion the even the notion that stress was a risk factor for heart disease heart high blood pressure nobody believed it modern medicine said that's just a joke no nothing mental affect the body it was absolutely
0: crazy
1: yeah and then what they realized was well there's a mechanism the mechanism is i see you know i'm under pressure at work or i see something traumatic and then that that goes to my amygdala which is a butterfly the size of two almonds in the middle of my brain and that's the emotional center or the also fear center and that triggers or, or triggers to my adrenal glands that sit atop my kidneys. And then when that happens, then I pump out cortisol. And when I pump out cortisol, my blood pressure goes up. Fight or flight, my blood pressure goes up. Oh, now suddenly something that had been going on since human beings were chased by lions.
0: (laughs) yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Now we understand the mechanism. So now we understand the mechanism. What happens is TM calms the mind. It allows the active, excited, thinking mind to just access levels cool you know we i'll just interrupt myself by saying you know we have that line oh that guy's a hothead Mm -hmm. boiling over with rage but we Mm -hmm. also have the line cooler minds will prevail that person's cool calm and collected so Mm -hmm. we know there's levels of the mind again the cross section of the ocean the surface choppy waves that's more heated level of the mind and then the deeper levels calmer levels cooler so all we're doing with TM is just giving access to those level, those cooler levels of the mind. And I remember telling somebody one time, I said, cooler levels of mind. He said, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, you have something really important you want to talk to your girlfriend or boyfriend about, you know, partner, really important. You don't say, let's go to a sports bar. You say, let's go someplace quiet to talk. Yeah. Because when you go someplace quiet, everything settles down. And so TM just gives access to that deepest level of quiet, calm, and that allows the body to take deep rest and the whole healing process can take
0: place. Absolutely. Um, So David Lynch Foundation, so what is some of the stuff that you're working on right now with them? I mean, you mentioned Congress.
1: we've, We've launched something called Meditate America. And we have three demonstrations that what it is to how to bring TM as incorporated into the healthcare system as a public health initiative, mm-hmm. just like polio vaccine or washing your hands or whatever mm-hmm. it would be or eating properly. It's a, it's a healthcare intervention. And so for that, we're working with insurance companies in private and public insurance companies to get reimbursement. But at the same time, in three cities, in New York, Washington, D.C., and Los Angeles, we're doing demonstrations. It's the, lot we like to call it the largest public health demonstration project citywide. And in New York, for example, we're going to teach 10,000 frontline New Yorkers to meditate. And we're doing research on those New Yorkers and to show that it works so that the insurance companies that cover munic- public health, public workers, municipal workers, police, firefighters, all everybody in all the cities across the country will have TMB be incorporated, be covered by them. So our focus is, and our th- and our main areas are veterans and first responders, like people who are on the front lines, mm-hmm. police, firefighters, emergency, you know, medical service. Um, Public school teachers will want to do kids, but right now public school teachers, also doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers. So that's our focus. Do those people, show the benefits, and then get coverage. Because the TM organization, David Lynch Foundation, you know, needs to sustain itself. And we'd like to give TM away for free to everyone, but you have to be able to pay the TM teachers to teach. Well, this way a single mom can walk into their general family f- physician and she can say i have i suffer from a lot of anxiety and person could be given klonopin a prescription for klonopin or a prescription for tm or both and it gets covered by insurance that is going to change the world
0: oh yeah that's
1: amazing because you're going to start to reduce stress but the the real results will be developing the full potential of the brain, developing yeah. states of consciousness, develop all that stuff. That's what we really want. That's how we change the world too.
0: I, absolutely. And I mean, the more people you have doing it, you know, it's called the Maharishi effect. I mean, you, I mean, I know, you know, but the, yeah, yeah. I can explain it or maybe I should have you. Well, uh, I'll explain it. The Maharishi effect was um, co- a term coined and you feel free to correct me when I get this because I'm sure I'm not going to get it totally correct, but it was, I believe in the eighties,
1: 1960 originally.
0: Okay. And 1% well,
1: of a population meditating.
0: Yeah. And so they had, you had over 8,000 people gathered together and they measured the levels of violent crime like worldwide. And there was a marked difference during that time when those 8000 meditators got together so they coined the term the Maharishi effect i actually learned about that right around the time that that i met that girl driving for uber it was uh david wilcock is like a he he does a lot of research and he brought that up on one of his episodes that he talked about the Maharishi effect so i I don't know if i totally explained it correctly but beautiful there's two different things so my
1: reference was in 1960 Maharishi said that if one percent of the world's population meditated you could not have war because said war is the outbreak of the buildup of stress, acute stress in individual people's lives. And just 1% of a population meditating in the world or in a country would just calm that stress so that you could not have war. And then in 1976, Research came out when the square root of 1% of, a popul- of the world's population, 8,000 people, would do advanced meditation techniques together. together, that would create such a powerful influence of positivity and coherence in world consciousness, in the world, that again, you'd have, you'd, it would prevent war and violence and also stress-related disorders in society as a whole.
0: Well, and so in my experience, I haven't found anything that helps you transcend as quickly and as easily as, as TM. Um, but I do think that there are other things that people are doing that are also helping them transcend. Um, I just think that TM is is the easiest and easiest, simplest and most accessible way that anyone can do. But I think that, I mean, if you really look at the metrics of the world, we are moving in a good direction. People themselves individually are still stressed. But as far as like poverty, well, this hyperinflation we're in is not helping. But yeah, poverty. Yeah. We've raised a lot of the world's population out of poverty. Um, There's an organization called Charity Water that has brought a lot of uh, communities running water. I mean, there's still like 700 million people that don't have running water, but that's moving in the right direction. The amount of people who are getting an education is moving in the right direction. And then, if you look at war, I mean, from World War II to now, I mean, the war has gone way down. And so, violence and war
1: is way, way, way down nationally, internationally. Absolutely. Yeah. I think where you're you're seeing the problem persisting is um, in violence in city in urban centers. Mm you are seeing that, but nationally and internationally. Dramatic reduction in violence and warfare, a reduction in, as you said, in um, poverty and even pollution levels, and the big threat of overpopulation. I was at a TED talks. I was at TED talks um, a month or two ago in Vancouver, and someone was going through and saying all the changes that are taking place in a positive direction. Of course. Mm-hmm that doesn't discount for those of you listening. We're not ignoring the fact that there's a lot of people suffering and a lot of people in poverty and a lot of people not eating properly and drinking bad water, polluted water and and diseases. However, the trend is in in a good direction and it just needs to be continued and hastened.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well I mean a lot of that that like violent crime in inner cities and and a lot of those problems stem from the system itself and it's you know it's just too top heavy right now and it yeah. that'll change that'll change over time but um you might have to go through a little bit of a struggle <laughs> during that change but um, yeah but there's more of a recognition
1: that it has to change I mean I've right. been at this you know in the 60s there was a handful of people saying it had to change and now it's a uh, just like even with politics in the 60s there you know there was some talk about third parties and that was just considered crazy yeah. and you know alternative voices are being recognized as important and there's more people as re- registering as independents. institutions that don't serve the the the, the interests of the people are not going to last yeah, whether I that's agree. educational whether that's I mean, even in education, higher education, the recognition that people—not everybody has to go to college—to yeah. be able to, you know, earn sure. a lot of good living, to be creative, and you know, and and you have your iPhone that's got all the knowledge right there. So yeah. it's
0: a changing time. Uh, and I mean, it, the, I don't know if you get into astrology much, but it, we're moving into the age of Aquarius, and so that's the decentralization of power that's the dissemination of information that's also the rise in more of like a spirituality on a on an individual basis and so you're seeing all that happening you know more we more just want more. it
1: to happen much faster
0: yeah. and it can be discouraging when you you know when you're caught in the
1: middle of it and yeah. I say that the media doesn't help it doesn't it does not no it doesn't promote these bigger trends positive trends it's all finding the you know you, you finish with one election cycle and you think oh god finally i can really you know relax and then three days later that it just added again what's the oh. next crisis what's the next wedge issue that we're going to just blow up and inflame and you know make a huge deal uh, yeah it's this,
0: this 2024 is going to be I I don't even want to think about it. It makes people people have to also stand
1: up on their own. They have to not believe everything they read. Exactly. They have to eat what they know is right. They have to, you know, they need to take care of themselves. They can't just we we don't just can't be victims. We have to stand up on our own. And those people who are not in a position to stand up on their own, then we need to help them. And that's one reason why I think transcendental meditation, it's not something that's just going to make people passive. I've had that, oh yeah, you meditate, then you don't care the changes that have to play, take place in the workplace or the changes that have to take place. And no, it doesn't make you more passive. It actually gives you the equanimity and energy and, and discernment and power to make the changes. If you're just wiped out and stressed out and medicating yourself with drugs and alcohol, you're not going to do anything.
0: Well, and I I think that a lot of times people, they they want like a fix, like a cure, you know, and TM is going to provide you that reduction of stress. That's going to help you to do the things that you want to do in your life. But you still have to take those steps and go do them. You know, TM is not going to do them for you
1: no but it's going to give you the energy and the power in order exactly. to exactly a lot of people who grow up in poverty it's such a demoralizing experience it's such a dehumanizing experience and you just you know number two cause of death suicide among teenagers it's
0: just a crime it's crazy it's so crazy um so i had a couple more questions for you so um Well, could you tell me a little bit about your experience uh, around Maharishi? Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was the man who came from India. He was a yogi and and he came to America in the late 50s and started this Transcendental Meditation Movement. He taught the Beach Boys. He taught the Beatles. He started this movement that has taught now tens of millions of people um, over the course of, since he brought it over. And he was tasked kind of with this, From his guru, correct. So maybe you could tell us a little bit
1: about that. So what I liked about Maharishi was um, he had a degree in physics from Allahabad University, and then he said, "Okay, I've learned what you know. I've learned this was 1940s, Mm -hmm. and brilliant student, and he learned what he could learn about the uh, origins of matter and of life from the standpoint of physics. You know, matter. Where (laughs) did matter come from? From physics." And then he had an opportunity to spend 13 years studying with the top um, meditation teacher in the, in India and in the world. His name was Brahmananda Saraswati, or Gurudev. And so he was the number one student, the closest student to Gurudev. And then when Gurudev died, he took a year or two of silence, Maharishi, to just rest up. And then he came out, 1955, began traveling all around India teaching meditation, which he said was a a rediscovery of, of meditation that had not been practiced for hundreds of years or more. And that is that you don't have to make effort. Concentration or control of the mind, trying to clear the mind of thoughts, as many meditations at the time and today talk about, is actually opposed to transcendence transcendence is that settling down to that deepest level of your own being the human being being that that value Mm -hmm. so he the realization that it's an effortless practice and that you don't have to use concentration or control and so he traveled around india and he taught people muslims and hindus and buddhists and christians and taught you know jews of in india was like a little microcosm of the world and in 19. 58, 59, he ended up in Los Angeles and he began then his worldwide movement. And one of the things that he really, from the beginning, wanted to do was to use science to clarify and, um, yeah, clarify uh, the genuineness of the meditation. Because at that time, meditation was just both, just like, just Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, woo-woo and all that stuff. So he started meeting with scientists and um, it really, people were sort of under the radar. And then in 1967, he was giving a talk. Is this too much detail? Or is this No, a- I keep going. Yeah, okay. He's giving a talk at a Hilton hotel in London. And he said four young boys, basically, in their 20s walked in, whatever it was, and, uh, and to learn to meditate. And it was the Beatles. He didn't know that he'd never even heard. Him. He didn't know who they were. <laughs> he, didn't know who they were. No, he had no idea. And then he went to, he was to, doing a, a week long retreat in Wales. So they all came up to be with him there and learned the meditation and really loved it. And then that was when their manager, Brian Epstein passed away so that they had to leave and be with Brian. And then in, a year later in 1968, they went to India to study with Maharishi and, um, Ringo stayed a week and John, because he had some family commitments and Paul stayed a few weeks and John and, and George stayed a month and they loved the meditation and uh, that was when the world, it sort of exploded on the world scene mm-hmm. meditation and the whole thing yeah. and that's how I heard about it. <clears throat> and that, you know, really set the thing sort of on fire, but it's an interesting thing. In, 19, in 2000, a few years before he passed away, a reporter said, to, "said Marsha, you must've been so happy with the Beatles because look what they did. They brought all the attention. and But the thing, the negative press that was associated with it, you know, flower power and hippies and all that stuff. Yeah. I really loved those four men, boy, young men, but they set my work back 30 years because he wanted this to be seen as a sort of uh legitimate scientific legitimate scientific thing for not just getting rid of stress, but for developing full human potential. For you sure. Know, and what is it? What, what are, what's the neuroscience of a full, fully developed human being? So that's what he wanted to do. And so now we're finally seeing it happening with insurance companies looking at it. never would have happened in the 1960s.
0: Yeah, definitely not. Um so maybe you could give just like a little bit of your experience with him, like personally. Oh yeah. Sorry, you... sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. Um, like uh that's such a good question. You know, I'm not into as a, you know, gurus and I'm not into like in the in the dismissive term. Sure. I'm not looking for someone to solve all my problems. Your problem, yeah. There was my experience was of being with someone of very wise person, very wise, down-to-earth, caring, considerate, grandfatherly, but much more than that, wise, and funny, and um, compassionate, and visionary, like you can't imagine, yeah. felt just complete ease and comfort around him. I, I met him for the first time it, in August 1970, Um, at Humboldt State College, which is now probably California State University at Humboldt, Mm -hmm. um, when he was doing a month-long course for two, there were 2,000 students from all over the country that had came for a month-long course on the science of consciousness, Mm -hmm. and what was so interesting is he presided over, Buckminster Fuller was there, the great, you know, architect, and there were uh, Nobel laureates in physics and chemistry, and then there was um catholic priest and a rabbi and a imam and they're all talking about what's what's the ultimate source of life from all these different perspectives and it was so profoundly fascinating to me and then i so i was there for a month and then <clears throat> i became a teacher in 1972 so i was around him for a, a, a few months in for five five months i was in europe and then i spent it just over time, over 40 years, I spent yeah. time. It, and it was always the same experience of, oh, I was around someone who saw into the reality and was a great teacher.
0: Amazing. Yeah, I, I wish
1: I could have. ever asked them like some people said, should I get married? Should I do this? Never mind. Never, my thing. never yeah. my thing. Like, okay, here's a technique now i be around you for a while now i just want to go out and make a better world with it yeah. i don't want to sit around talking i want to i'm like oh. an action guy some people love the knowledge i'm just an action guy yeah
0: well i mean i've asked um astrologers before like vedic astrologers uh about you know advice and that kind of thing and i've realized that i don't really necessarily want to know like i mean like i can maybe get steered in the right direction to a certain degree but um, I also just enjoy being in the present moment and not worrying too much about what's coming in the future, you know? Yeah. And maybe they're right. You know,
1: I think the science of Jyotish it's called Vedic. Vedic just means the science of consciousness. So you have Ayurveda, which is the science of health. And so people maybe have heard of Ayurveda. It's the Mm -hmm. oldest natural uh, healthcare system in the world. And and Jyotish is really looking at the influence, subtle and, real influence of the movement of the planets and stars which we're beginning to understand much more now we're understanding the influence of the moon on Mm -hmm. moods and emotions which until two years ago was just discounted as bunk yeah Yeah, but now it's like a, a real science so um i think the science of jyotish is uh legitimate Mm-hmm. don't know about the people who are interpreting it right that's so the thing I, I have a real hesitancy to turn my life over to anyone i'll just sort of want to figure it out on my own yeah me too. I think that's part of a spiritual development of consciousness anyway which is you self-sufficient you figure it
0: out on your own yep well uh i've talked about this plenty of times already on this podcast but um human design is uh, i don't know if you've heard of that but it's it's a it's a discipline of kind of astrology, and it's it's also taking into account the Kabbalah, the I Ching, um, quantum mechanics, and it was I mean this is gonna sound woo woo, but it's it was channeled by a guy named Ra Uru. and from my experience in looking at it, there it's not just like this because I've heard of you know people doing experiments before where they like give someone um, a description and it's a group of people and they give them all the same description, but each one of them is like, Oh my God, this is so true. And it's all the same thing. So uh, if you speak generally enough, it's going to be that way. But with human design, um, there's an actual strategy for decision-making for person based on their type, you know, and then there's your profile, which is your costume in this life, basically uh, how you interact with other people. Um, And I do think there's some benefit to that. But the thing that I like about that is it's, very pragmatic like you know it's giving you um practical advice that you can use and take into action instead of trying to necessarily predict things that are coming so yeah and i don't i believe
1: i do from my own experience i i'm not like just this like materialist i love big ideas i love the notion of consciousness and higher states of consciousness and all the cities and all those different things yeah um and and i and i'm just my perspective it's not like everybody has their own perspective and their own experience i just um and that sounded really interesting and really good what you were talking about i've just had known too many people over the last 50 years who have been led astray absolutely people and they give up their what is the agency? Is the word mm-hmm. they, their their ownership, their authorship of their life, and 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 that I think is not good.
0: I totally agree, and that's the beauty of this is that it's it's designed to teach you things so you can take more agency Beautiful. of your own life. Yeah, they're actually teaching. There, I I had a woman on. I've had multiple people on talking about it, and um, they're starting to design classes for parents. And catering it directly for your children individually, because each child is different. Well, part of the way to know how they're different is through this this modality, this human design. And then it's it's having results already of like, you know, if you have a projector, you you have to treat them in this way. If you have a manifesting generator, you treat them in this way. It's crazy. And when I look at like my nieces and my nephew, I I, I, I like to just give little because my my family is very conservative catholic um that's just how they are and, and there's nothing wrong with that but um i like there was a lot of resistance when i first started talking about human design and they're they get transcendental meditation now and they're like we're glad it works for you none of them are doing it yet but <laughs> someday maybe but in the right the, direction. yeah but this, the human design uh i'll like notice something and i it'll like i'll just be like well you know why are you doing that because he's a manifesting generator and they're like i think some of it's starting to sink in but uh i've learned that like pushing it on people you have no
1: you have to no, you have to, you have to be a good teacher and a good yep. teacher is someone who wants to you you allow the person to bring it out from you rather than push it into you exactly
0: oh i i pushed a lot when i was younger i was was the clever if you're when you're young you're clever and you want to change the world and then when you get older you realize that wisdom is changing yourself and then thereby changing the world yeah. um so uh maybe you could share with us um cuz i it is part of your allure i i you know people is you taught a lot of celebrities so maybe you could go over a, a few of them that you taught and um yeah. if you want yeah. I'll
1: tell you, yeah 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 um So David Lynch is the head of the David Lynch Foundation. He's a famous filmmaker. So I got introduced to some of, you know, like if I teach a doctor or a school teacher, then often they introduce me to other teachers in the school, or if I teach a doctor to other doctors. So David is a filmmaker. So he knows a lot of these people that are thought to be as as celebrities. Mm -hmm. And it's been an interesting experience because until I started the foundation, I'd never in my life met one quote-unquote famous person ever Mm -hmm. now i've no it just didn't happen now i've taught like lots through david and i'll give you a few examples some some so i was taught i this was you know some years ago ellen degeneres Mm -hmm. um she i was at her house and um i was asked her why she was interested in learning to meditate she's a thoughtful person why she was interested in learning to meditate and she paused and she said because I want to make maintain permanent connection with the intelligence that runs the universe. And I went, "Whoa." And then she said, "And I can't sleep at night." <laughs> and I realized in a nutshell right there, Trev, that, that's everybody wants to grow everybody wants to do better in school or better and they want to have a more satisfying relationship they want mm-hmm. to do better at their work or if they're an artist or you you know your podcast you want to do you just the nature of life to want to get better at something do a yeah. better job at the same time so that's growth at the same time what blocks us from that i can't sleep at night I have anxiety, I have Crohn's disease, I have these different things that block my ability to create. And so Ellen put it in a beautiful way. She, want, you know, she wants this cosmic life, but what's the barrier is she can't sleep. And beautiful thing about TM is transcendental meditation by giving that deep experience of that transcendent state in a natural way, it's nothing flashy, just settling down. Then mm-hmm. that does two things. It reduces stress, and it wakes up the full creative potential of the brain, so in one stroke i, I always remember that because it was quite clear. yeah the other experience um uh, i got i was got a call that Tom Hanks wanted to learn to meditate, and I was in the neighborhood where he lived, and I thought well all right, I'll just give him you know I'll give him a call, and I'll drop by his house and just talk to him about it so um I, like, knocked on the door, and he opened the door, and he took this, like, giant, he was shocked to see me, and it was, like, almost overacting, you know, he just, like, jumped back, and I said, and he said, I, you're a teacher of transcendental meditation, I expected you to be wearing yoga pants and have a man (laughs) have a man bun, and I thought to myself, no, I said to him, I said, if it was your cardiologist coming, you wouldn't expect that, and i and i said i thought to myself well there's a gap still and also it's unfortunate because when people dress or do something it puts on an app now if they're a monk that's a different story it's just you know just some guy it it puts on an affectation it's off-putting from the message message should be universal you can be republican or democrat you can be this or that you can be white or black or Brown or lit, you know, Asian, you could be whatever. This is for everyone. everyone. And so that that was a, a second thing. And the third yeah. thing I taught this was the last one. I taught Oprah Winfrey to meditate. And um, when I sat with her to teach her, she was a little defensive and she said, Well, I just want you to know I've learned to meditate from the best meditation teachers in the world. And and I'm not gonna push. I said, Well, if you're happy, then good, you know, you're, yeah. you're Keep doing it. No, 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 I can't do it. You said, I, I'm, I'm a woman who likes to succeed at whatever I do. I don't like to fail. And every time I sat to meditate, or I clear my mind of thoughts or focus yeah. on my breath within a minute or two, my mind was wandering. And I, and as she said, I would just get up and I felt terrible about myself. So when I, um, taught her to meditate and i looked in her eyes you know she's sitting across from me mm-hmm. I thought she looked like wasn't oprah winfrey it was just like this young girl who was afraid yeah. she just left her her famous television show and she didn't know what was future she didn't know if people were going to love her she didn't know what was going to happen and there was fear in her eyes ge- and genuine hope that this was going to work and then i taught her and you'll relate to this, one of the first things she said after I taught her was, that's the most human-friendly thing I've ever done. Not just meditation, thing I've ever done. Period. Period. Because it's so kind and effortless and easy and gentle. And so I had three experiences.
0: I love it. I had to have something that easy because I try meditation and my mind is just just on overdrive, and so without it being this simple, and and I've even uh, since I learned in twenty sixteen, there's been multiple times where I have like you know once you haven't seen a teacher in a while, and like you you kind of get into a mode where it's almost like you feel like it's not working, and you're overthinking it, and then you're trying, you know, and when you go back to a, a teacher, and this is one thing that I, I did want people want to let people know as well, you can go back to the your teacher or any teacher. Um, if you can't get back to your t- your teacher who taught you at any time after you learn TM, at any time the rest of your life, and You're they right. will give you a free checking. So it doesn't cost anything. Um, And uh, so it's helped a lot for me to bring me back to realizing and remembering that it's no effort. When the thoughts come, that's not a bad thing. Don't try to push them down. Allow it all to just take place. And literally, it, it sounds so... It sounds so like nonsensical or or counter to logic that it's that it's that easy, but it has the, all those benefits. But it's just returning to your natural state. Like it. it yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the thing is, is some <clears throat> meditations. The perspective
1: is your mind wanders. Mm-hmm. You want to have a calm mind. And what disrupt and what disrupts a calm mind thoughts. So if you want to have a calm mind, stop your thoughts, and then you'll have a calm mind. Well, that's very difficult to do. Like, if you have a calm ocean, stop waves, and you'll have a calm ocean. If you want to have a calm mind, stop thought. Well, that's, like, fine. Maybe if you're a monk for, you know, 30 years and not doing anything, but if you've got kids and this and that. So that's one perspective. And that's, like, on the ocean, trying to stop all the waves on the surface of the ocean. Transcendental meditation recognizes that there's a vertical dimension to the ocean, that there's deeper levels, and the ocean may be turbulent on the surface, but the ocean is pretty darn quiet at its depth, and the mind is the same. surface of the mind is the active thinking mind, gotta mind, monkey mind, but deep within the mind, deeper than intuition, deep within the mind, is where the place where the mind is already settled and peaceful and calm and alert. It's not something we have to believe in or visualize, it's there we've lost access to it. And TM gives access to it by giving the TM teacher, it's taught in personal instruction. You learn from a teacher and the teacher gives you a mantra, which is a couple syllable word or a sound that has no meaning associated with it. Teacher selects it for you. And then teaches you how to use it properly, how to make use of the net. This is the key thing. The mind does not wander aimlessly. It's not a monkey. The mind, the natural tendency of the mind is to be drawn to something more satisfying. So you're sitting in a room listening to some terrible music and in the other room, some just unbelievably great music comes on. Where's your attention go? Just goes to that great music, just drawn to it. You have two books to read. One book is terrible. You can't read a word of it. The other book is great. Hours go by. So your mind is drawn to something more satisfying, inside incredibly satisfying. So in Transcendental Meditation, it's like you you get a mantra, your teacher gives you a mantra and then teaches you how to use the mantra without effort, gently, effortlessly. And without any effort, the attention of your mind turns within and you're just drawn inward. And as the mind settles down, your body settles down and takes deep rest. And then there's all those changes to take place. I like to say, it's like you teach a child how to dive. they are standing by the side of a pool. You say, lean over, bend over, take the correct angle, and then gravity takes over. So it's completely effortless. It takes about an hour a day over four consecutive days from a teacher. And then you've got it. With the as you were talking about.
0: And we'll say that again with, with a lovely
1: lifetime follow-up to ensure yeah. you're doing it properly
0: yeah i'm I'm actually i live in tampa and there's a group that meets every sunday night and does the cities which is the more advanced form um which i mean we don't really need to go into it today but just know the that there's music. an yeah yeah exactly just know that there's an advanced form that's even more powerful and uh i highly recommend it to everyone um and so i have one other thing this is um what they call a householder's meditation because it's not designed for a monk. Who's going to spend years in a cave meditating, which nothing wrong with that. That's what they want to do, but this is designed to be 20 minutes twice a day. And if you do it consistently over time, it accumulates just like going to the gym. That's one thing I've noticed there have been periods where I have kind of fallen off and not done it, but it, when I come back, it's just like going to the gym. If you went to the gym consistently, for a year and then you quit going when you go back to go to the gym again and start lifting weights or whatever you're going to have a shortcut it's not going to take you as long to get back to that place that you were because you had that time yeah where you spent for a year it's i feel like it's the exact same way with meditation um so the householder meditation it's designed to help people uh who are just living an everyday normal life that Right.
1: That's kind there of two paths. There's two paths to enlightenment to your own developing your f- own inner human potential. Two paths. One is the what's called a householder, which is just a regular person. They have a family, they do stuff, life. And that's one absolutely fast path when you're doing TM for uh, enlightenment or full potential. Mm-hmm. And that is um, as you said, 20 minutes twice a day. For people who are not of that ilk, you know, there's a small, tiny fraction number of people who are not that way. Yeah. Then they're called, you know, single or monk or recluse or whatever. Right. And they they have also equally valid path to that full potential, but it's their meditation would be um, different, a long, little longer, a different, different practice. But ultimately it's the same transcendence. They might meditate longer, whereas the householder might, you know, um, raise a family both right. are equally equally valid and uh, oh. i have time for one more question
0: okay i, I did I, I i'm i'm gonna ask this one and it's it's again a celebrity one did you teach katy perry because i used to have a huge yes i did i did yeah. what, what was she i like? taught
1: her in india when she oh. was getting married with rut to russell brand oh wow it was wow. a wild it was it, it was just crazy um they were in a uh a five-star tent it was in a tiger refuge and there was a couple hundred people there and russell who i taught a year before
0: asked yeah. me to teach Hello, russell Brand.
1: and so it was in a, a five-star i never seen a five-star tent it was this big <laughs> and so i taught her there and that's when i first met her and uh, um katie perry you know pop star and all of that stuff she's us powerful smart you know she's done the her whole career herself it wasn't her parents she yeah, didn't have a right. her mom. and she's steered and navigated her life and she's a very good person talented, yeah. energetic and a very good person so yes i we're still very good friends she's a big the david lynch foundation
0: oh awesome yeah she i had a huge question on her back in the day <laughs> so just curious and i'm glad she's happy now it seems like she's happy with orlando bloom so that's, yeah that's really good. happy
1: really happy she has a, a a baby girl daisy yeah yeah so she's daisy, cool. daisy dawn she's good Very i'll cool. tell her you say hi the next
0: time I... <laughs> yeah well if this podcast ever gets big it's a good thing because uh it's a designed to help people so you know We'll see. Whatever, even if it doesn't do not, if it gets big, it's big, yeah.
1: it's great. You're doing great work. You're doing great work. And it's an honor for me to be on this show.
0: I'm I'm so wonderful thankful. For...
1: Really wonderful interview.
0: Thank you very much. Well, uh, that's been another episode of Master of Zilch. Um, I usually like to close out with something um, along the lines of, uh, you have the power to save yourself. It's kind of the whole message of this podcast. I believe in you and I know you can do it. And I thank you for listening. And thank you so much, Bob, for coming on. Um, It was a pleasure talking to you. And I I look forward to doing it again someday.
1: I look forward to it too. Take care. Be well. Thank you. Learn your meditation. Yeah, definitely. Okay. See you later.
0: See you, Bob.